Hi folks, this is Jack Spirico with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things that we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Coming to you once again from Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, high atop the Highway 7 Ridge Line from TSPN, the Survival Podcast Network headquarters, also known as the Ant Hill. Today's going to be a great show, uh, kind of wrapping up the uh, interview blitz that we've been doing while I've been away on vacation. I'll be home in just a few days, I guess, and uh, back to the grind, so to speak. But uh, until then, I wanted to uh, bring somebody on the show we haven't had for a long time, and that's Dr. Kyle Christensen of Western Botanicals, long-term supporter of the show, long-term supporter of the MSB, and a great friend to me personally who's helped me with a numerous, uh, a numerous conditions that we've dealt with in the Spirico household. He's a guy I trust 100% when it comes to talking real about natural and alternative uh, therapies. Uh, before we bring him on, though, let's go ahead and take care of our sponsors. They do a lot to help take care of you. Sponsor of the day number one today, Fortress Defense Consultants. You know, if you don't have good training to go along with your firearms, then your firearms are nothing but, uh, well really high-priced clubs, and you're not even going to be good at using them that way. Uh, there's certain things that we have to have if we're going to have self-defense solidified in our homes and on our persons. And I believe, one, is the Second Amendment uh, right to keep and bear arms. I believe that. We have to have that. Two, we have to have ammunition, because a gun really is a club without ammunition. But the third and most important component is we have to be trained. Situational awareness, how to think, how to act, how to, how to, how to act when we are in a situation we were not prepared for. You know, I don't know if you know this, but bad guys generally don't stand with their arms at their sides like those pretty little black silhouette uh, targets at exactly 15 feet away, uh, like they are at the firing line at your local gun, uh, your gun, your local gun shop that has a range or what have you. And uh, you're not going to be standing still in a perfect Weaver stance when you're taking shots uh, at someone who's trying to kill you. And in most ranges, you can't even practice the way you really need to. What we need is good, solid defensive training, and you'll get that from Fortress Defense Consultants, Frank Sharp Jr.'s operation. Get on over there today, and remember, if you can't go to them, they'll come to you. If you uh, want to put together a training, and you just don't really have the ability or the time to travel up to where they're at, and you have a small group and you want to put together a training, get in touch with them. They'll see if they can work that out for you and come put together training, either on your own private property or on a range near you. Next up today, the Berkey guy. You know what the Berkey guy has? Berkey water filtration systems. Isn't that a shock? You know why you need one? Because water is the most important thing in the world to your survival other than oxygen. You can go without oxygen for about three minutes. You know, But uh, if we have that problem, we're all gone anyway. Water we can go maybe, maybe three days without, and that's about it. And uh, a lot of people won't even make it that long. It's a critical component to your survival. It's one of your five tenets of survival. If you're going to have clean water, you're going to have to be prepared for a day when it might not just come out of your sink. You need a water filtration system for that. The Berkey light water filtration systems are great for that. They're also great for use on a day-to-day -day basis because right now there's things in most people's tap water that we'd prefer that you know not be there. 
Uh, things that are actually put in there on purpose, like chlorine. Those are reason for chlorine. It's to help us not like die from viruses and, and uh, bacterium. And it, it does a good job of that, but it's still not really good for you. It's a toxin. It, it really is. And then there's fluoride, which is the big lie. Um, you know, we don't need fluoride in the water. Drinking fluoride in water to protect our teeth makes about as much sense as drinking suntan lotion to protect our lips from sunburn. It really is the way that I look at it. I think it's the way you should look at it, too. Berkey water filtration systems can make that water pure and clean to drink in a disaster scenario, and they can also make the water that's coming out of your tap today safer and cleaner to drink today. It also makes it taste a hell of a lot better. Once you get a Berkey water filter system and you start to drink water that actually tastes like water instead of chemicals, you'll never go back. Next up today, uh, do consider getting involved in our forum. Our forum is a great community with great discussions and great people that want to reach out to you and want to help you learn more about being prepared. They want to share what they've done. They want to hear what you're doing. Great, great community. Also consider visiting our gear shop. We have shirts. We have hats. We have AOCS copper rounds. Back in the gear shop, we have the cool uh, geocaching coins. We have keychains. You name it. Lots of cool stuff in the gear shop. Please check that out. Remember, that's run by Tiffany and Rich of Rockwell Survival. We had licensed the logo to them, but they run their own show there. Small business that I helped get off the ground. Good people that work hard to take care of the audience. Last but not least, do consider joining the Member Support Brigade. You do that, you get exclusive content available only to members. And remember, we are running a sale while I'm on vacation. The code for the discount is VACATION. Real simple to remember. You can get your first year for $35 by signing up online. You can also use that code uh, to fill out the form and mail in your payment if you want to pay manually by U.S. mail. Just realize right now while we're on vacation, if you pay by mail, it may be a while before you get set up. Uh, with that, let's go ahead and get into the main topic of today's show. All right, folks, as I said during the intro segment, we are fortunate to have with us today Dr. Kyle Christensen from Western Botanicals. Uh, Western Botanicals, of course, has been a very long-time supporter of the show. Uh, I think we're going into their third year of support of the show, and the show's only about, well, three and a half years old. So uh, that, that says uh, an awful lot about the long-term relationship. And uh, the head guy over there is uh, Dr. Kyle Christensen, and he is a uh, chiropractor, a naturopath, and a master herbalist, and the uh, the force behind Western Botanicals. Kyle, thanks for joining us today on the show. Thanks, Jack. Good to be here. Um, I had you on, God, it had to be like a year and a half, almost two years ago, and we talked about this was when the swine flu was going around, and we talked about all kinds of great stuff, and I guess the translation to that is it was uh, too long ago, but uh, glad to have you back. But after that interview, I had a, people, a couple people ask me, okay, this guy's a chiropractor. Most people get what that is. They understand, you know, there's a certification process or a licensing uh, process to practice. There's a pretty standard schooling that you have to go through to be a chiropractor. But they want to know, what does it mean to be a naturopath? And what does it mean to be a, mas a master herbalist? And what does that do to uh, kind of complete your ability to help people uh, control their own and manage their own health care? Sure. You know, a, a naturopath is is basically a, a doctor or a physician who's, who's been trained um, in natural therapies. And so the interesting thing about a naturopath is, is you could go from one to another and they could be doing completely different things. Some of them will specialize in, in acupuncture, some of them in herbal medicine, some of them in homeopathy. And so they, they go through a, a four-year training process. Um, if they go to one of the accredited schools, and there's several of them throughout the United States. And um, a lot of them will utilize, utilize lab work, a lot of, you know, various techniques to, to diagnose what the problem is. 
and similar to what, what you may find with a, a medical doctor, however, their treatment approach is going to be different. They're going to use, uh, again, acupuncture or herbs or, or homeopathic remedies. Home, homeopathy, for those that aren't familiar with it, is, is kind of an energetic medicine. It's, um, it's, it's a little bit difficult to understand, but it's been around for a long time. I, I find personally with, with homeopathy, you get either great results or, or, or none. And so part of the, the process of that is searching for the remedy or the formula that's going to work for the particular condition. Um, nature paths are, are, are licensed in, in, in several, several states. Um, however, I think in most states it's, it's still fairly un, unregulated, um, although that's changing. On the other hand, a master herbalist is somebody who's who's gone through some some formal herbal um, training. They they um, basically they go through um, different classes or seminars or, or courses. A lot of it is is online. Um, herbalism in the United States is is not regulated, and and I think that's a good thing because um, we don't want someone breathing down our neck telling us what to do and what not to do as far as um, peer reviews and how, how different things are going to be um, prescribed or regulated. Um, I mean, I kind of look at it this way on, on that subject, that herbalism is basically a 10,000-year-old thing, that people have been using herbs to, 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 to improve their health, to, to, to whether the FDA likes the word or not, and I probably can use this word and you can't, and it's a cure and ailment um, because then they say it's a drug, but I'm not – in that business, so I'll say what I want and, and deal with the consequences. But uh, people have been doing that, my point is, for as long as people have basically went, hey, this hurts, if I rub this leaf on it, it stops hurting, or this is bleeding, and if I rub this leaf on it, it stops bleeding. And, and we've, we've come that far without the help of government, with help in quotes, so maybe we can just keep moving forward there. We, we, we can, however, the FDA is now regulating the, the supplement industry. And so... There's, there's a, a thing called GMP, um, which is good manufacturing practices. Um, here we call it great mountains of paperwork. <laughs> and, and so we, we need to be real careful what we can say. You can't use words like prevent or, or treat Correct. or heal or cure, um, but we can support. And, you know, and so a lot of it is, is, is the verbiage. Let me get your, your, your take on this, this thing. This is one thing that's always really just the only word I can use is pissed me off in regard to that rule, that regulation. Um, there is no doctor of any stripe anywhere that's competent that would disagree with this statement. Orange juice cures scurvy, okay? or vitamin C cures scurvy. It's absolutely insane on its face for anybody who object to that. But under FDA regulations, you quite literally would not be able to make that claim. And if you did, it would elevate an orange or a vitamin C tablet to the status of a drug. Am I in any way misunderstanding that? No, you, you, are, you are absolutely right on. And, in fact, that's when the FDA is coming down on, on companies, what they're doing is they're saying you're making drug claims. If, if you say, again, if, you know, vitamin C – is gonna is gonna cure or treat scurvy. You're you're making a drug claim, and and again, you're all of a sudden now you've got you've got oranges um, 
that are being regulated. So the same thing would be if I said B12 would cure pernicious anemia, they would say the same thing, even though the very definition of pernicious anemia is a deficiency in B12. It's, it's insane on its face. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. And that's just that's just the world we're living in. But but again, you, you, and you understand this: the, the the government and the powers that that are there are trying to gain more and more control over our life. And and this is just one one way that they're they're doing that. I, I'm a big believer, and I think you are too, because you guys are big not just on the the herbal preparations, but on providing information and providing the raw herbs, which um, are either organically grown or wild-crafted. And maybe we'll talk about the nonsense with regulation and those two terms in, in a minute. But um, it, it, I think maybe that's one thing a person can do to combat this. In other words, they can regulate the herb when it's put into a capsule, uh, but it's much harder for them to regulate things that we grow in our own backyards or that we wildly harvest or, or what have you. Yeah, you know, a- absolutely, and I'm I'm just a firm believer in in, in gardening and permaculture, and and we we've, we've talked about this before. My my feeling is, you know, the 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 world, you know, changes r- radically. I've got a whole med- medicine chest in in my backyard. I've got comfrey growing everywhere. I've got valerian. I've got all kinds of mints. This year we planted, I think, fifteen different types of mints, and and so. We, we go out to, to our yard. I can pull up some echinacea and I've got a great, great, uh, you know, immune herb. Um, we, we've got comfrey, which is not only from a permaculture standpoint, pulls up all kinds of deep minerals such as calcium that could be used by the other plants, but it's a great healing herb for, you know, for, gosh, any type of tissue disruption, whether it's a, a, a burn, a scratch, a cut, a wound, an abrasion, a, a fracture. And so I, I think that, that you know, if we if we look at our gardens from a standpoint of yeah, this this you know flower or tree or bushes is, is is beautiful, but what can it be done medicinally? I, I, I found a, a a black elderberry bush this this year that that I planted, and I've got you know elderberries growing on it, which is a phenomenal immune building herb, and it's a berry; it tastes good, and so you make elderberry jam out of that. Yeah, we've got elderberries like growing crazy. I just, you know, finally got my, my place moved up here to Arkansas. And as I'm driving along the roads, I'm looking out. No, there's no berries yet, but you just see the big white platform of, uh, of flowers, the blossoms on there right now. And, and I realize that that's something that in my area I don't even need to plant. I just need to go out and harvest it. Just got to find a safe place to pull over on the side of the road so I don't get run over when I'm doing it because that would be bad for my health. Yeah, and 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 ideally, you know, you want to walk 30 feet away from the the side of the road so that the berries you're picking are not going to be, you know, full of you know fumes and stuff like that. Yeah, the cars that are going by, but but you know, not only do we do we grow things, but but as you mentioned, having a knowledge of where things are found. That's what the Native Americans did. You know, they were they were farmers, but they didn't farm in rows. They just knew where things were, and so they would they would harvest whatever plant or root they would come across and they would make sure they were good wild crafters. They would make sure that they would harvest, you know, not too much. They would re replant as, as they would go. And so their, you know, their farm would be, you know, you know, maybe a, a five or 10 mile radius from where they live. And they were kind of the first, they, they were like the first guerrilla gardeners too, because 
they, they would do things like, okay, they knew that this plant would do better if it got more water. Well, they're not going to walk five miles to dump a bucket of water on it, bucket of water on it every day or a, a skin of water to be more accurate. But what they might do then is take flat rocks and create a, a runoff situation around there, increase the surface area, and they create a depression to collect water. So and I, I just, the reason I bring that up is we talk about that a lot on the show, and I want people to understand that in your wildcrafting, there's a lot of times where if you go out and plant something somewhere, uh, you're going to maybe get upset and get some of these uh, you know, federales, so to say, uh, come in to bother you. But there's a lot of things we can do to encourage plants that we're wildcrafting, like Dr. Christensen was saying without over-harvesting, but also to uh, to create an environment that's more conducive for that native species. Absolutely, and that you know, and, and that's the key is, is is being aware of your of your environment. I mean, it would be foolish to to try to grow something in you know in your backyard that that exists you know all, all around the outside area, and so uh, you know situational awareness in in plants. As well as many other, and there's tons of stuff out there that people look at as weeds, and we'll get into some of the garden stuff here in a minute. But I want people to realize how much stuff is growing, like in a in a, a ditch off a dirt road. That people would just look at that and go, "That's a weed." That's actually uh, medicinal with a, a long historical use and information that we could find out. Like I just found something growing on on my property. I thought, "Wow, that's pretty," and I wasn't sure what it was, and it turned out to be butterfly root, which is also known as pulsary uh, uh, butterfly weed, also known as pulsary root, and and that has a lot of, of tradition and history with uh, medical use. Yeah, and so you know, my definition of a, of a weed is an herb that's in the wrong place. So <laughs> if you understand that. That that you know everything is is a herb. Now some of them are dangerous, and some you need you need to be careful with. And so it's important that you properly identify everything. Um, but again, every everything has has value or use. Almost everything. I haven't found. Well, I was going to say, you know, uh, goat heads. But actually, we we sell a ton of goat head weed. It's a um, you know that little Barbie sticker um, that that pops your tires is. Is actually used for um, a, test, a testosterone uh, replacement. Wow, I had I had no idea. So, I thought they were even some of the noxious things. Wow. You know, another another thing that I that I'm um, a, a real strong advocate is is food as medicine. And 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 if you've got a second, let me give you a, a recipe that I produce almost entirely from my, my own garden. That is a, an immune builder, um, and and it's a great one. And so what I do is I I've got a lot of horseradish growing. Again, horseradish is one of those once it gets established, um, you're pretty much going to have it forever. It's kind of like like you know peppermint. Um, but if you if you get horseradish and garlic and onions and and ginger, and you mix all all those equal parts, um, ginger is the only thing that I can't grow locally where I am. Um, and then and then um, a hot pepper. You know, I'll, I'll use cayenne. Sometimes I'll use habanero. I, I really like the flavor of habanero. And and you put that in, in a blender um, with apple cider vinegar, and you just you just blend it all up into a mash. Now with the, the hot pepper, I usually use about one eighth part um, because it's, it it can be it could be really really hot. Um, you you blend that up. You sit it in a jar and. Uh, you can strain it after after two or three weeks, um, or you can just use it. You know, eat eat the pulp. But you know, we we sell something called an herbal supertonic, and that's basically what that is. It's 
It's a, an immune building. It stimulates the circulation. Um, I even use it on, on my salad as a salad dressing, a little bit of olive oil, some of the this, this garden super tonic. And so, I mean, that's kind of as a tonic. That's something somebody would take because a tonic is something that strengthens. And so it's something somebody would use not because they're ill. They could, but it's really something to be used consistently. Yeah, you could use it consistently, but you could also use it use it when you're ill. And so a lot of times with, with the herbal medicine, um, I, I use things not not day in and day out, but but as needed. And so if my, you know, if I feel like I'm coming down with something, you know, I'll I'll take this this super tonic, you know, three or four or five times dur- during the day for several days, and it will just knock out whatever, you know, is, is, is trying to get me. Does seem a little spicy, but uh, it seems like it would it may, may probably make a pretty good hot sauce. And I think that that, like you said in the beginning, is something people need to become more in touch with. That food is medicine, is medicine is food. And and we, you know, at least to me, I mean, and maybe that's a better way for us to look at this. Like the the world of the FDA is the drug world, but what we're really talking about is medicine. And to me, there's a difference between medicine and a drug. A drug is an agent that is basically a toxin. I anything that that is truly a drug is is a toxin. And the way I can prove that to you is. If you eat a bottle of 500 aspirins, you'll die a very miserable, painful, awful death, one of the worst uh, overdose types of deaths there could become. But you could eat a whole lot of horseradish, and all you're going to do is sweat a lot. And a lot of the things like that we can incorporate into our diet. I have a, a group of herbs that I think should be in everybody's garden, and they're in most people's you know, spice rack already. You know, And they're things like parsley and basil oregano, thyme, and rosemary. Those are my, my five ones that I think everybody should grow, even if they're just in little spots throughout your yard, even if you're not going to be a regular gardener. And, and those things have, a, if you want to call it a medicinal effect, a health-improving effect. And when I started researching something boring like parsley, I started to realize there was tremendous antioxidants, tremendous micronutrients, so many things our bodies crave that we're just not going to get from a, you know, a Big Mac meal. You know, and one of the one of the great strengths of, of of herbs and natural medicine is is strengthening and supporting and building the body so that it doesn't get sick in the first place. And that's you know an entirely different approach from modern medicine, which is 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 really crisis management. And so, you know, I, I have so many patients. They go to the doctor, and the doctor says, "Well, you know, the lab results are a little bit off. Let's just let's just keep an eye on it." Which again is is code language for it's not bad enough that I can give you a drug for it. But if we just keep an eye on it or you go home and don't change anything, then it will be in, in a short time and, and we could medicate you. And the purpose of medication so often is so that we can manage the disease, not get rid of it, but just, just manage, manage it and make you a lifetime, you know, uh, prescriber to the drug philosophy. And, and do you think that's kind of where the disconnect is between the mainstream and, and alternative, if I can use it? That's a very umbrella term, but using it as best I can here. That they say that only a drug can uh, treat, prevent, or cure a disease. And what they really mean is only a drug can manage a disease uh, and control a disease. And, and the things that we talk about in nature don't really cure disease either, but what they do is they free the body up 
so that it can cure itself. And even when a drug cures a disease, it, it doesn't. I, I would use a bacterial infection as, a, as an example. So let's say it's a bacterial infection that, that you, I, that anybody reasonably would look at and go, highly treatable with an antibiotic, uh, very dangerous without it, this works, this is a case for using an antibiotic. Well, that antibiotic doesn't cure the disease. It, it kills enough of the infectious bacteria that the body can take over and do the rest of the job by itself. So how do you know, go ahead? You know, another good remedy that that you know our our, our grandmas and great grandmas use um, that, that has really kind of fallen away from us um, is is what I call bone broth. You know, and and it used to be you know you would you would buy a soup bone or you wouldn't buy it you would you would harvest the animal and and you would use the the, the bones and you would you would cook that that soup for you know twelve to twenty four hours. And, and by doing that, you would get so much of the, the minerals um, and the nutrients from, from the bone and from the cartilage. And, and by eating that as a soup, which, which of course tastes much, much better than, you know, the, the broth. People, people buy, you know, broths in cans and, 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 um, and jars today. Um, but, but you use that, and it provides you with nutrients that's going to help with your joints and with your bones. And so, so much of the arthritis that we experience today is is because we don't we don't have the minerals that we do. The food is is so devoid of of all the nutrients because of how it's you know farmed and how it's grown. Um, you know, I, I encourage people you know make make bone broth. You know, you 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 know buy a chicken or you you, you harvest your own chicken. You, you put that carcass in a in a pot of water and simmer it for for 24 hours, and that's your your stock or your broth that you're going to be using for your soup or, or whatever you're, you're making. And it, it's phenomenal in, in helping with joints. Do you think maybe that's, do you think maybe that's why certain cultures have lower incidences of diseases? Like, um, for instance, Vietnam, uh, there, there is a, and there's a million people's view of what fall really is, but there's, there's a, you know, like grandma's version that, that gets in every household and basically like they're doing what you're saying, but like they'll cook beef in there today and that pot will just stay there and tomorrow they'll throw pork in there and with bones and all. And by the end of the week, they just have the broth that's left over and they'll eat that with noodles. And, and they're basically doing this for a full week with all these different parts, so to speak, and they're getting all of that nutrient and they're taking up, to me it's like, okay, like there's animals that can do things people cannot, right? Like a cow can eat grass and turn that into protein and we can eat grass and get pretty sick. So there's a lot of, if it's in good soil and good conditions, there's a lot of value in that grass that that cow doesn't just convert to protein, he converts it to other things that are stored in places like the bones and the, the, the cartilage and all. And it, what you're talking about is a way to release that, right? Right. And so, you know, there, there, there's a there's a movement going on that that's talking about you know raw foods and and live foods and and there's there's absolute value to to eating you know healthy you know raw foods that are rich in en- enzymes. But what sometimes they neglect is is that you just need some minerals. And you need some of these things that nece- aren't necessarily living foods, but it's just the, the, the raw, you know, nutrient components that you get with, you know, cooking foods and, and, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll make an herbal formula and, 
and we'll we'll make it from an alcohol with an alcohol extract. And other times we tell people, no, you got to you've got to take these herbs and you've got to boil them, because different types of processing is going to bring out different nutrients. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. I mean, because it's yeah, and there'd be different different preparations. You might you might do a, something with alcohol for one herb, and the same herb you might use a a water based uh, uh, thing, depending on what you're trying to get out of there. And sometimes cold water, and sometimes hot water. Huh. You know, like with sage, you know, you could use a, a cold water infusion, and it's going to be different than a than a hot water infusion or a hot water tea. And so, you know, one of the, one of the things when we study the the herbal medicine of the Native Americans is, you know, they would have a core of maybe ten herbs, but they'd have you know fifteen twenty different ways to prepare each one. And and so, it's not that you need a whole lot of you know exotic herbs you know for your medicine chest if if you had you know even a limited number you know 10 20 but you knew how to to use them and prepare them in different ways you you would have a, a full supply of what you need you know i've noticed that as i've done a lot of research on herbs because i'll pull up something boring like parsley and i might have a little guidebook and it'll say mostly culinary and maybe it's good for gas you know and but then if i start to actually research it and research all the research that's been done about all the compounds and things that are inside of there it's almost like every herb you pick up has antioxidant has antiviral has antibacterial and has any carcinogenic properties so if you can figure out how to access them and combine them with others, there's a lot, a lot of power there. Um, one thing I really like about you and Western Botanicals, and one of the reasons I'm happy to have you guys as a sponsor, and I've turned down supplement manufacturers and things like that as potential sponsors because I understand where the resistance um, it comes from. The, the, I would say not from the, the government, but the public allows in the government because there are flat-out snake oil salesman out there. There'll be a guy that'll come on, and his product is, you know, XYZ Calcium. And you say, well, what do I do if I... And you'll do a health show. And you say, well, what do I do if I have cancer? I'll take this. What do, what do I do if I have an ulcer? Take this. What do I do if I'm worried about osteoporosis? Take this. And no matter what somebody calls in about, his product fixes that. Or I've got another product that fixes yeah. that. And you're looking more at the totality of things, which is why I believe in what you're doing. Because like I asked you to help me with my wife because she was having migraines. By the way, the stuff that you sent has done wonders for her. But you're like, these are all these other lifestyle things that we have to look at. Yeah, turmeric is a big thing that we, we've added to her consumption with your supplements and with using it in our food. But that alone won't fix it. So you're much bigger on this holistic viewpoint. You know, absolutely. You know, I, I tell people that there's no vitamin, supplement, or herb that's going to make up for a bad diet. You know, one of one of the the most damaging things we consume in our in our country is sugar. And so, you know, the the Ayurvedic have a have a philosophy that you've got you know five different taste buds. You know, taste buds that'll taste sweet and sour and bitter and salty and and what's called pungent or spicy. And ideally, your diet should consist of all of those different flavors. Whereas, you know, in America today, the dominant flavors that, that people go after is, is salt, sugar, and fat. Correct, correct. And, and as a result, you know, you compromise your health. And so, yeah, sugar is, and sweet is, is important and it's good, but, you know, maybe it should only be, you know, one-fifth of your diet, not, you know, 60, 70 percent. Well, and then the other thing is, what is the source of the sugar? Because to me... If you, your source of your sugar is the sliced apple uh, with whole grain, uh, there's a lot of sugar there. 
but it's a natural form of sugar. If I take sugar cane and squeeze it and stew it and refine it, I've almost, to me, if you want to talk about a drug, white sugar is a drug. It's addictive. Um, As you consume it, it causes you to consume more. It has a both a, a physical and a mental effect on the body, um, and in large enough quantities, it can kill you in forms like diabetes. Uh, so to me, that qualifies as a, if there's anything that's a drug, it's refined white sugar. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. Versus versus something like honey, you know, you get some raw honey, and and it's and it's sweet, but it's not going to have the same effect as that processed white white sugar. And what else is in honey? So, I mean, how much is there in honey that's good for us? Oh, yeah. I mean, honey is a superfood. And so, um, yeah. So, like, if somebody wants to kind of start doing these things for themselves, what are some advice you can give them on maybe some things that, that it's just like safe? Anybody can put some, maybe some other recipes, some teas or some things like that, or some things that we can add to our cooking that would uh, kind of make this more of a lifestyle rather than an acute response situation. You know, what I, what I encourage people to do is, is you know, focus on, not only you know herbs that you're going to be using using in the kitchen because I think they're very powerful, but also you know specific conditions. You know when when you you can't go to the to the, to the drugstore anymore. Um, what are some of the the simple conditions that that you need to can work on on yourself? And so you know I look at you know the the, the kidney and the bladder and the and, and and the colon. You know I think it's important that everybody have access to to herbs that that are going to you know relieve constipation and 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 take care of diarrhea and so you know because those are those are problems that um, you know quite frankly you know can kill people. Absolutely, I had um, a couple different people on had been doing relief work and and emergency medical work and said one of the leading leading causes of death in disaster scenarios is diarrhea. So what, what's an example of an herb that can help with that? Because um, I mean, Brandon, who, who's been down to Haiti a few times, um, has said that that's killing kids down there in, in droves. It, it, it's probably the worst thing in the earthquake aftermath. You know, when you when you look at you know some of the diseases that that can spread, you know, cholera and, and dysentery and things like that. Um, you know, we we use things like like bentonite clay, which which is is just a clay. It's a dirt, but it acts as kind of like an, an absorbent clay mask that you know that you know a person would put on their on their face psyllium um, charcoal those types of things that are going to be absorbent that are going to slow the you know the the bowels down because that's that's the problem with with these diseases is the body is trying so heroically to to eliminate that that disease that you know that bacteria or whatever that that it's just expelling things so quickly that that you're losing so much fluid and water, and so dehydration can be a can be a real issue. Um, and so, using something again, we have a product that we put together called called Colon Detox. It's got the the, the psyllium and the bentonite clay and the charcoal, and it's got apple pectin. Um, a real quick way to make apple pectin um, when you when you peel your apples for your your applesauce that, that you're going to be canning in the fall, um, dehydrate those those apple peelings. And then put them in the blender, and you've got apple pectin. And so, which which you could use that that powdered apple peels 
to, to thicken your jams and jellies with that, that you're making from, from And at the same time, you're helping your colon health, and you're helping them with detoxifying, but you're not... So there's times for the acute treatment, we'll call it, and there's times to just incorporate this stuff into your, your daily life. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, if, if you've got something that you're struggling with health-wise now, you know, now is the time to, to, to really buckle down and say, okay, what do I need to do to, to get this, you know, diabetes or, or heart disease or heart, high blood pressure or whatever it is, you know, manageable and under control? And, and you do that with, with, with diet and herbs and nutrition, then, you know, that's going to save you more than, than, than anything. You know, again, the strength of herbal medicine is, is not necessarily crisis, you know, management as much as it, as it is, you know, getting the body healthy when the symptoms are small and, and relatively insignificant so that they don't become big, ugly, you know, monsters that we have to deal with. Heroically. I think that's the seduction of conventional drug therapies because their responses are quick. So if if my back aches and I and I pop some Advil, um, it's going to have a relatively quick effect as long as it's not so severe of an injury that it's not sufficient as a drug. And, and I'm going to get that response. So the general public has that response that says, "Well, this works." And then you give them uh, anti-inflammatory herbal. Uh, you know, preparation, and it takes a lot longer over time to to work, but it also allows, I mean, because I think, here's the other side to me, Uh, yeah, your back hurts, you pop some Advil, it doesn't hurt at all, so you go out and you, you know, you you exasperate the injury, and then you have to take more Advil. The the inflammation is there as a problem, but it's also there as a solution because it helps to immobilize us, and herbal therapies and lifestyle adjustments will take longer but therefore they provide lasting results. Yeah. And you know, and that's what we're after. We're after to build a healthy healthier body rather than, you know, manage a condition. And and that's not to say that, that drugs and medicines are, are not necessary, you know, at times, but you know, they should be looked at as, you know, this is going to help me get through this difficult situation or crisis right now rather than than a long-term management. Absolutely. If I'm trying to, you know, extend my health and make myself healthier in the future or go on a long-term quality program to reduce my weight to a healthy level or I have a sore back, I want to come see a guy like you. Unfortunately, you're thousands of miles away and have to see somebody else because I'd love to be part of your practice as a patient, but, you know, you're, you're, you're out there. But if, if I get a car wreck and I have a yield sign in my spleen, I want to go to a first-rate uh, emergency ER now. Or if I'm having a, a, a you know a, a heart attack, I want an MD. If I have a tumor growing in my body and it is cancerous and it needs to be removed, I want a surgeon to take it out. I don't just want to try to throw vitamin C at it for God's sakes. So there's a time and place for both things. And that's the other thing I love about you and your organization is you're not anti-medicine uh, from a conventional medicine standpoint. You just seem to be like, you know, when things aren't that bad yet, let's try to use something that, you know, fulfills the original doctor's uh, creed of do no harm. Right, yeah. You know, and, and, and hopefully, you know, as, as years go by, you know, maybe when we come out on the other, other side of things here, um, that we're going to really – look at what do we need to do to help people, you know, get well and, 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 and be healthy rather than, you know, how can I best financially profit from selling this drug or this, you know, even even natural supplements. I mean, there's, like like you mentioned, there's there's a lot of people that are, I think, pretty 
diabolical in the you know in all industries really. Yeah, and I think that like we can only blame the, the the conventional doctor so much because their their textbooks are paid for by the drug companies. Their professors are trained by the drug companies. Once they get into practice, they're constantly visited by the drug reps. Uh, and most of those people look like they can be on like Esquire or GQ magazine covers. Um, and, and it's a very slick industry. And I think a lot of doctors have believed if I invested 10 years of my life in this and this is what I've been taught, then it all must be true. But I just saw a guy on a talk show, uh, Dr. Oz, who I think is a pretty cool guy. And he had like kind of some alternative practitioners and he had this, you know, the, 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 the resident skeptic classic, uh, MD. And he was saying how, you know, things change over time and they evolve. And we used to believe things like letting blood out of a person um, was, was good for them. And, of course, we know that, hey, that's total nonsense. And I was thinking, yeah, but your medical journal was still called The Lancet, right? I mean, you, it, and it was the irony, and I was just waiting. I was like, somebody please say this, and, and nobody would. I think that there's, uh, there's just we've gotten to a, a point now where – Healthcare is more of an industry than a service, and I think the government trying to make it a, a right um, without a responsibility. Because I believe in rights. I, I'm a libertarian. I'm huge on rights, but I believe if you have a right, then you have a concurrent responsibility. So you have a right to 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 have uh, treatment if you're going to die, but you also have a responsibility to your 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 body to take care of it. You know, you can't smoke seven packs of cigarettes a day, drink a bottle of vodka every day, and then demand somebody fix you when you have lung cancer and um, uh, you know liver cirrhosis and, and say, I need a new liver and I need new lungs and I need it now and I deserve it. And I think that's where we're headed. And with, I don't want to get too political, but with the changes in the healthcare system and where we seem to be going forward, don't you think it's going to be more important than ever for people to take charge of their health, especially before there's a problem? Well, you know, absolutely, and I and I think, you know, people are are receiving a, a great disservice when when they're told that that they don't need to take care of themselves. I, I had a patient years ago who had a, a quadruple bypass, you know, heart surgery, and and so you know after after you know the he came back to me. I asked him, well, what did your cardiologist tell you about diet? And he puffed up his chest and he says, my doctor said. I could eat anything I want, and if we need to do this procedure in another year or two, he'd be happy to do it. Well, I guess he would. How much did he think? How did? He, oh, that's. Uh, I, I now, I, now I feel bad for almost putting a joke on that, but um, you know, I guess he would because how much money does he make to do a quadruple bypass? But this this gentleman died. Yeah, and you know, and so you know. It's, and, and he wasn't going to listen to anything I had to say about nutrition because his cardiologist assured him that, you know, that he could eat, eat anything he wants. And, and, and let's face it, diet for, for most of us is, is very personal. We, we like to eat what we like to eat. Um, you know, I had, I had a patient, he was, he was in his 80s and, and he, he was, he was Italian and he, and he loved his, his, his meats and his wine and, and his granddaughter says, you know, you gotta talk to him, you gotta tell him to, you've gotta change his diet. And he said, "I'd rather die than change my diet." And there was there was no way he was going to change his diet. And I told her, "I said, you know what? Just love him. Don't don't try to, you know, guilt him into, you know, changing his ways at this point." Don't you think though, with our diets, there's a, there's like 
I don't know. My grandparents ate bacon and eggs and cheese and pasta, and we we're Ukrainian, so we we had basically a cheese soup. We ate pierogies, which are like pasta stuff with cheese and potatoes, and all these things that you would look at and go are unhealthy. But the whole family was healthy, active. We were hunters, fishermen, gardeners, and these were like things that were part of our diet. They were all that we ate. We ate a lot of other things that were good for us too. And that variety we've now lost. We've come to like a microwave world. And then it's not to me. I don't care if you eat it, the meat is not bad as far as I'm concerned, but. What's in the meat? What's in the potato? What's in the corn? And, that, and that's 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 the difference. Because you know, if we could eat the diet that our that our grandparents and our great grandparents ate before everything became refined, that's the ideal diet. You know what what they call now a a nourishing traditional diet. And so it, it, again, you're right. It's it's not the meat. It's not the the dairy. But it's the it's the pasteurized, you know, homogenized milk versus the raw milk. It's the bovine, bovine, yeah, bovine growth hormone in the milk. And we have, you know, um, I, I don't want to say exactly who, but I know a family with a young girl who has just experienced her first period, and she's 11 years old. And you can't tell me that pumping hormones into our chicken and to our milk is not having an effect on, on things like that. Right. Yeah, and, and that's and that's really the key because again, you, you know, we're we're finding that a vegetarian diet is not the healthiest diet. That, that but but you need whole natural foods. Again, mimic mimic the diet of our ancestors, and that's going to be much much healthier for you. Yeah, you, you have your even even before refrigeration, you have your your fermented foods, your your sauerkrauts and your and your yogurts and your kefirs and and all of these foods that are that are probiotic rich which is great for the digestive tract um, Hippocrates you know taught us that that all disease begins in the gut and so if we could have good digestion which is predetermined by the the quality of the foods that we're eating we're, we're going to be much much healthier than eating anything that's been processed you know you, and so you, when, when people are you bring something up there people go are, ahead I said when people are putting together their their preps and their food storage, you know I'm I'm more for for buying the raw ingredients, buying the the, the whole grains, buying the, the the beans and the the food that you need to prepare yourself, and and not having you know a year supply or six month supply of you know of Mountain House. I mean that's okay to supplement once in a while, but but we need to be you know, preparing our food as as our ancestors did. Yeah, and you bring something up there that I just never thought of until this moment, and that is the things like the sauerkrauts and the fermented foods and, and the, the things that – and what, what I've never really thought about is that 200 years ago, every human on the planet had something like that. It was always regional because certain areas did certain things and other areas did other things based on what they had available – but everybody in, in the world had some sort of a, a natural preservation method that utilized things like fermentation in their diet and got all of the nutrient byproduct that went with that. And then we came up with something called refrigeration, and I don't need the brine sauerkraut anymore. I don't need to make kefir. I don't need – so even though, like, you know, some uh, Debbie Doolittle gets on her diet kick in January and decides to go out and start buying Activia because Jamie Lee Curtis told her to, it, it doesn't replace the fact that these things used to be in our diet all the time. And I had absolutely never really thought about how that must have been lost from 
uh, a human diet, and it goes back thousands and thousands of years of our bodies expecting it. Yeah, yeah, you know, because because you know, a thousand years ago, they they didn't have you know pressure canners, they didn't have refrigeration, they didn't have all of these ways, and so they had to preserve their food, you know, to get through the 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 winter and the the non-harvesting season, and and it was usually with with fermentation. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's it's why they they make wine. I mean, correct. You, you can't store grape juice. It's why you make beer. It's 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 why it's why any of the alcoholic products were made because it was a way to store the grain or store the fruit beyond its 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 traditional limitation. I guess honey is another. Honey is like the only food in the world that just basically never goes bad. No, you 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 have to do something to it to make it go bad. Um, and that obviously then used to be a huge part of the human diet, and, and it's no longer there. I'm kind of a believer of this. You can eat anything you want, and you can eat as much as you want, as long as you can grow it, dig it up, or kill it. And if, if you go beyond those things, then uh, you, what we've done is we've taken things that were natural for us to eat. I mean, let's face we were put here. I'm not a, a believer in a vegetarian diet. I'm really not. If, if somebody else lives that way, I can respect it, I can appreciate it, I can understand it, but I don't believe in it as the best way to be healthy as a human being, because if I run my tongue across my teeth and I feel my eye teeth, I feel that I've evolved on some level to eat some amount of meat, but it's meat that, that was put there for me to eat. Um, you know, we can even look back to the Bible for guidance on that, if I don't get biblical on the show or anything, but, you know, uh, basically to, to that we, we've been told at multiple points that, that that's a food for us. And when we, but then we turn around and we refine, we remove, uh, and we, we like take stuff out and then we just eat the, like you said, the sugar and sweet, uh, the, the sweet or the sweet and the, and the uh, salt. And we've eliminated bitter and, and sour and, 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 and pungent from our diets. And something you made me think of there, I'm, I'm glad I brought that up now. Um, when you were talking about Ayurvedic medicine, recognizing those five tastes, and I had earlier talked about Vietnamese uh, cooking. Thai cooking is something I've also always been into. And, and their belief, and I guess maybe this is part of their, you know, if you get outside of their main cities where they're living the way we do, but out in their countryside, that every dish should have each of the five flavors in it. Or, or at least, you know, your plate. Correct. You know, we'll, we'll have that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned they, they take out all these things. You know, they, they take a hundred and plus nutrients out of, out of something, wheat or, or, or grain or something, and then they add 10 or 11 and call it enriched. I mean, <laughs> so, again, we think that, oh, it's, it's enriched. It's enriched. It's enriched. You know, Since we've robbed it from all the niacin, we put a little bit in there so that we could call it enriched. And uh, it, it is insane on its face, really. And I think that there's a tremendous amount that people can do for themselves. What do you see happening to our healthcare system as a whole, our mainstream healthcare system, if things just stay the way they are? Um. You know, quite honestly, I, I think I think it needs to to, to fall fall on its face. I, I I don't see that it's it's, it's going to be sustainable. I think there there has to become a a melding of 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 the minds, and it's going to be you know dictated you know financially. I think I think if we keep down the path that we're going, um, at some point people are at, people in mass are going to realize that. You know, hey, this is killing us. 
we, we can't be do, doing what we're doing with, with, with all the drugs and medications. I mean, America, we spend more money on, on health care than in any country in the world, and, and we're not healthy. And, and so, you know, personally, I, I, think, I think there's, there's going to be a crash on, on many levels you know, economically, politically, but I, I think part of that will encompass the, the, the health care level. And then people are going to have to go back to, to the more simple times as far as health care and managing our health. And then hopefully, a, you know, a light bulb is going to go off in, in the masses' head and they're going to realize that, hey, you know what, we're, we're healthier now, you know, eating, eating what we're doing and using the, the natural things rather than, you know, following the, the the drug and the pill. Yeah, and he used, I mean, I always kind of felt like there's no substitute as a doctor for the patient themselves. So I don't care if you have a chronic problem that needs an MD or you have a problem that is better addressed by a natural therapy or a problem that's best addressed by both. You have to trust yourself, know yourself, and take act, action for yourself if you're going to be able to get through any of the things that are coming our way. Yeah, and that's, and that's what it is. You know, ultimately, we're responsible for, for ourselves and, and, and our families. And, um, and, you know, you could make choices, but you can't escape the consequences of those choices. Uh, one thing I'd like to throw a couple of questions at you, just like uh, some some fastball stuff as we as we finish up here. Here's here's one for you. You mentioned uh, you know the Native Americans might only have ten herbs, uh, but they knew all these different ways to uh, to uh, to utilize them. I would think that uh, I'm going to probably throw out your your one you'd pick if I only let you have one. It would be garlic because I think pretty much every herbalist says if I can only have one, I can do more with garlic than anything else. But if I said put together a list, you can only have ten in your little herb kit. What are ten herbs that you would definitely know how to use and make part uh, of your daily life? You know, again, garlic. Garlic is good. Onions. You know, they're they're culinary, but they're medicinal as well. Uh, one that I think is is phenomenal, and we're seeing more and more um, good information on it is cinnamon. And you know, cinnamon is, is is culinary, but it's also medicinal. It helps to to you know balance and regulate. Insulin. It says it triples the the insulin carrying uh, factor in the in the blood, or the effective effectiveness of insulin. Um, cayenne is is huge, and so cayenne is is one that it stimulates the the circulation. But cayenne also is is a pain regulator, um, and so cayenne because it it's hot and it can cause us sensations of pain. It, it uses up a lot of what's called a substance P in, in, in the blood so that that pain-stimulating substance P um, isn't going to hit the receptor sites of where you're feeling pain. And so cayenne is a good one. Turmeric, uh, a natural anti-inflammatory. It's a natural um, uh, digestive. Um, it's also anti-cancer. And turmeric is, is also a, a great herb that, that should be used. Oregano is, is one that's antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral. Uh, we make an infusion of, of oregano. You can get uh, fresh or, or dried oregano, put it in some, some olive oil, shake it up every day for, for a couple weeks, and then, and then strain the, the leaf off. And you've got a, a great herb for, for the immune system. I think it's important to have something for, um, for, the, um, for the colon 
you know, something that can get your bowels moving if, if they if they aren't. You can use an herb like senna, which you can make a tea, or you could use something like, you know, al- aloe vera. Um, not the juice, but the, the actual, the leaf, the frog. Um, aloe tastes terrible, though. And so we almost, you, you got to take it in a capsule if you're going to be using that. But, but senna is, is one that could be used in a tea. Um, you know, one thing that I've, that I've learned, again, digestion is, is real important. Um, it seems like nature has made the, the herbs that are good for digestion taste good. And so you've got all, all of the mints. You've got, um, you know, fennel and licorice and, you know, dill and all, all of these things that, that are used in the kitchen that taste good um, are great for the, the digestive tract. Again, as Hippocrates said. Awesome. Well, you're up to 11 now, so I, I have to cut you off. Am I? <laughs> That's great, you know, and I know how it is because you just start thinking of all these other things. What about this? What about a couple teas? Maybe you could share a couple of your favorite tea recipes. Let's do one for it's a long, hard day. I'm a little bit sore. I'm still kind of keyed up from my activity. I want to kind of calm my mind, relax, get a good night's sleep. What's a good tea for that? You know, skullcap is, 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 a, is a great, great herbs. Um, hops is, is a great relaxant. Again, though, hops is bitter. So, so you're not necessarily going to want to make a tea that's going to be more in your, you know, in, in your in your beer or something like that. But um, valerian is is another great herb for for relaxing. The mints and the chamomile are are very relaxing. There's there's great benefit in chamomile. Chamomile is a is an herb that that is high in copper, and and copper helps to 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 relax the arteries. And so, again, if somebody is prone to high blood pressure. Drinking a couple cups of chamomile tea alone can can help to to relax that and and lower the blood pressure. What about maybe a tea for it's middle of the day? We have the two o'clock blahs at work, and uh, I don't want to go back to coffee. I had my coffee in the morning. I'm moderating my caffeine, but I want a little bit of a pick me up midday pickup. Got something for that? Yeah, um, ginkgo is 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 a great herb that that increases the blood circulation to the brain. Cayenne is another one. You know, sometimes again, you know, sometimes you, you you have a bigger lunch than you were planning. You 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 went out with someone or something, and and you sit back at your desk when you get back to work, and it's two o'clock in the afternoon, and the eyelids start getting head, heavy. Um, a little shot of cayenne, boy, that'll perk you up. I would throw ginseng in with that one too. I think it would be a probably a good one to add there. What 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 about this one? What do you? Um, how would you tell advise a person that like understands? I need an alternative practitioner, and I also need a general practitioner doctor in my life. And But I want a general doctor that is open to these other things that I can come to and say, I'm taking these things. It won't tell me to stop or it doesn't matter because I do understand it's important to tell my doctor I'm taking certain things because if he feels there's a drug that needs to be prescribed, there could be a conflict, and we need to talk about it together and decide which one has to go in this place. And I need an open dialogue both ways. How do they find a doctor like that? How do they maybe talk to a doctor and get them maybe a little bit on board with it. Because a lot of them are very, very skeptical of these things. I had one doctor tell me one time, uh, she goes, well, chiropractors are great. If your back hurts, you go see them and they adjust you and it feels great. But it doesn't fix anything because as soon as they stop doing it, uh, you know, your body hasn't healed itself yet, your pain will come back. And I said to her, how the hell is that different from any drug you give me? You know, and she really didn't have an answer. But how how do I? Because I'm naturally combative, and that's probably not the right way. Do you have any advice for the patient that's trying to find kind of a, the, the doctor that can work with their alternative practitioner uh, happily? You know, really, 
really the the only way I know to find one is is, is word of mouth. You, you, you talk to, to to friends, you talk to family, you talk to anybody, and 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 you know compare what what they're experiencing with them. It's it's hard to be honest with you. You know, a lot of times you'll you'll go into to you know a, a physician of of any type, and you know they want they want the new patient, and so. They're going to say, "Oh yeah, 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 I'm open to that. I agree to that." And and then you know, two visits later, you're you're finding that, man, this 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 person is not what I want sure. at all. And so, you know, I, I wish. It, it, and and again, you look at all these directories that are out there. You know, all all of these lists that that you know people say, "Oh, you know, we only have the you know the best doctors for this or that." And and it's it's basically you know. The doctor or the clinic pays their fee, and, and they get to be on their advertising list. So, I, I wish there was a, a great answer, but I don't know that there is. You know what I found is like the 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 the, the doctor, the conventional world doctor that always seems to be open to this stuff, um, but unfortunately isn't the doctor for the typical things. Is a dentist. There, it seems like there's a plenty of dentists out there that become open to these concepts and incorporate them into a dental practice. And I guess that's partly because they can, you know, write prescriptions and things, and they're seen more by mainstream as um, a, a, a real doctor. Not that I believe in that term, but um, you know what I'm saying. And for some reason, they get open to it. I don't know if it's because they see things that other doctors miss, because when you focus on somebody's teeth, you see things like, Oh, you know, see kids come in with dental fluorosis where they're getting too much fluoride in their water, or they see um, the the long term effects of things like some of the the fillings that contain mercury. But I found that to be the case, and I'm not sure if those are why or if there's other reasons. You know, a lot a lot of of business, regardless of what it is, is is filling the need that the public is is demanding, and so you've seen you've seen an upsurge in in you know some of the the natural dentist practices, not necessarily because the the dentist is is gung ho Mr. Natural, as much as it is he's got patients that are coming in and asking for you know the the root canals to be you know to be re- repaired or the fillings to be replaced or or whatever. And so um, you know if nobody nobody had a problem with amalgam fillings, they'd still be doing them like like they are. You know, whereas now you've got more and more that are that are you know doing alternatives that, and it's it's again consumer driven, and and so it is with with you know healthcare when when you've got you know patients that are going to their medical doctor and they're de- demanding a, a natural you know fix, the the medical doctors are going to step up to the plate and give them what they what they want. Do you think that that's why it's not happening in, in, in medical the medical world today? Because there's so much insurance. Every time you go to the doctor without the insurance card, Medicaid, Medicare, government-provided health care, private insurance, and is that does that create a disconnect? Because you're paying for this, this, this insurance, and this insurance provides the stuff in this box, so that's what you're going to damn well get. Where if we still had people that would got walk into the doctor's office and go, oh, thirty five bucks for a visit and write a check, then maybe there would be more of that that demand relationship to the supply. Yeah, absolutely. And and again, that's that's where personal responsibility comes in. I, I had a patient once that that had a, had a gallbladder problem, and I talked to her about some some natural things we could do to to help the gallbladder, and her response was. You know, well, well, Kaiser can take my gallbladder out, and my copay is only five dollars. 
you know, and you want to charge me twenty dollars for this bottle of herbs. <laughs> and so that's that, again, that's the mindset. And you're risking you're risking with surgery. You're having your body open. You're going under anesthesia. This is not like having a wart cut off your finger. And don't you think there's the reason that you have a freaking gallbladder in the first place? I mean, uh, when God puts us together, he doesn't just go, I think I'll throw this thing in there. I mean, uh, you know, it doesn't really do anything, but uh, I'll, I'll put it there even and, and connect it to all the other organs, uh, and it can just sit there and do nothing. There's a reason that thing's there. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but, but, but again, people, people they're, they're driven by by you know their finances but but also they're they're driven by authority we're taught from a very very young age that we should respect authority and and as a result if if you've got a you know a medical practitioner or or a religious leader or anybody else for that matter who who you view as an authority and they tell you this is what you need to do in our culture we're we're inclined to say you know yes sir yes ma'am you know and and I'm going to trust you because because um, you're the authority, you know, and so again, we need more and more of us that are that are going to question authority, and and think things through for ourselves, and not and not you know be so willing to accept what what anybody tells us to do. I, I think we need to realize something too. We're taught this authority in school. We're taught this authority through a family, and we're taught this authority through employment. And each of those situations. There's a true consequence for questioning authority. If you're a kid, you might get your bike taken away. If you're employed, you might get, you know, fired. If you're in school, they might suspend you or, or it might cost you a grade or, but there, there's a, there's a, and we, we get conditioned with that. But telling your doctor, no, I don't want to take this. There's not a authoritative consequence to that. Your doctor's not going to punch you in the face or, 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 you know, put you on a list where you can't get healthcare ever again or give you a bad grade or demote you or take away your income. Your doctor works for you. And I think we have lumped the doctor in with the employer, with the school principal, uh, and, you know, the military drill sergeant that they have this real authority and the only reason they have the authority is because we've decided to abdicate it to them. And that's and that's the key, is is pe- they only have the the amount of authority that you give them. But but you know particularly in the in the generation that preceded ours, um, there there are a lot of you know people in their in their you know sixties and seventies and eighties who absolutely will only do what what their doctor tells them, you know. We, we talk to, you know, gosh, maybe you should take take an herb or maybe you should drink this tea. And they say, well, I need to check with my doctor first. Yeah, I'm dealing with that right now with a sister-in-law, and she's on a drug called Neurotin. And it's for a different reason than my wife was on this. My wife was on Neurotin Integritol for nine years dealing with a uh, condition called trigeminal neuralgia, which is one of the most painful conditions known to man. Eventually, I had to have surgery to correct it. But she dealt with the side effects of Neurotin Integritol for all these years. She's now telling her sister, you've got to stop taking this stuff. All these things that you're telling me that you think are wrong with you are a direct result of this drug. And she says, well, I have a friend who's an RN, and she said they don't do that. So she'll believe the person that's never taken the drug. And that's the problem, I think, with doctors. They prescribe all these drugs they've never taken. They don't know what the effects are. Uh, you mentioned uh, homeopathy. Samuel Hanneman, who founded that, 
said that that was the hundreds of years ago. That was the problem. These doctors prescribed drugs. They didn't know what it did to a healthy person, and they never experienced it. So he tried the stuff on himself and saw what the results were on a healthy person. But they'll believe the authority because this isn't even a doctor, but a registered nurse because they wear the smock or the lab coat or the scrub over someone who's actually in my you know in my wife's scenario until you're willing to do surgery. It's pretty much all you can do when you have. Um, a, a nerve being pressed on by by a vein, which is what she had. Uh, and no herb in the world is going to make that vein go away. It, it was literally compressing the the nerve. So, but she has a very and you know she went through having a uh, what do you call it a, a, a nerve doctor, a neurologist, convinced she didn't have trigeminal neuralgia. That was just a symptom of multiple sclerosis because of all these ways that she was being inhibited. Uh, mentally and, and, you know, sometimes walking and kind of having a strange gait and stuff like that. And they all, and they all said, well, no, this, these drugs don't have those side effects. Well, I started doing research. They had every one of those side effects, but the incidences were low. And the incidents were low for, you know, the person that's taking it for seizure, where she was taking far more, she was using it for neural suppression, and every single one of them lined up, by, by rambling on, but, because it's personal, but the point is, this person, even a family member, will not listen because somebody with a credential said not to. Yeah, yeah, and and so, you know, we're 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 battling, you know, against, you know, mental prejudices, and so, um, sometimes people need to learn through, you know, through hard knocks. Sometimes they're going to be open to to natural alternatives, and, you know, all we could do is all we can do, and. Um, it, it could be tough. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dr. Christensen, thank you for uh, joining us again today. I wanted to uh, kind of open it for you here at the end. If there's any final thoughts, any final words of wisdom you have for folks out there. Oh, you know what? I think I think it's simple. It's it's real simple. It's not necessarily real real easy though, and so it's it's a matter of of taking stock and and you know deciding you know what what do I need to do. You know, do I need to change my diet? Do I need to incorporate some, you know, some some natural treatment methods, whether it's it's herbs, whether it's you know diet, whether it's exercise? And I, I think you know the time is to be you know brutally honest with ourselves and sit down with with your, yourself and someone that, that that loves you and say, okay, what what can we do to to optimize our health, to optimize our our, our plan? What do we need to to store? Um, so that we can, you know, take care of whatever may may come down the pipe, um, and you know, like so so many preps, you know, I've I've learned through the years, you got to use things now. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta set up your tents. You gotta set up your your you know your your bug out bag. You you've got to try things. You've got to turn off the power for a weekend and and see what where your 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 gaps and your holes are. And so it is with with healthcare. You've got to try everything. So that you're accustomed to, um, to you know the the gaps and the holes and the, the problems. You you may not agree with, with with a particular herb or, and and you need to find that out before you, you you know you buy five pounds of it. Or you rely on it when medical care is not available. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, awesome stuff. So, 
<laughs> well, folks, um, you know, uh, we, we really need to have uh, Dr. Christensen on more. We said we were going to do that, uh, I guess a year and a half ago, and, uh, uh, I'd love to have you back on again if, uh, if you'd be up for that maybe sometime later this year. Well, with that, folks, uh, we are going to go ahead and wrap up today. And, I, you know, you guys can see by, by hearing Dr. Christensen talk that he's one of the good guys, same rational approach to, uh, to national alternative therapies, a, a willingness to understand that there is a time for traditional medicine as well. And that's why there's been such a good relationship between Western Botanicals and the Survival Podcast communities. Uh, so make sure that uh, you do check out their website if you have not done so yet. Remember that they do support the Member Support Brigade. Uh, they have a preferred membership that is uh, $50, and uh, you can get that for free if you make a phone call and give them the information that's in your uh, Member Support Brigade. So the long-term supporter of the show, great folks, uh, great information, great product, great service. If you're in their local area, make sure you look them up, and uh, I'd love, I'm sure they'd love to see you walk through the front door. And with that, this has been Jack Spirico today, along with Dr. Kyle Christensen, helping you figure out how to live that better life if times get tough, or even if they don't. Sometimes we forget we are what we eat. I don't know the answer. It's like there's nothing I can do. It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. Yeah.